Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Andrew McDougall, Associate Director of Beauty and Personal Care at Mintel, and today's host. A little disclaimer to start with, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, and a lot has changed since then, with things looking a bit different globally compared to a few months ago, and tomorrow may look a little bit different from today, given the evolving situation related to the global spread of COVID-19. We see that markets are in flux, consumers are forced to make new and different decisions about their personal and professional lives, and all companies are trying to adjust strategy in real time and strike a balance between short and long-term planning. Here at Mintel, our analysts are hard at work delivering the research, insights and recommendations companies and brands need to make sense of it all. But that is for another day. Today, we're putting discussion about COVID-19 to the side, just for a bit, to chat about something a little bit lighter, and to look at how sensory triggers can change our perceptions and trigger emotional responses. If you're up for taking a break, then please join us. We will get back to the pandemic later on. For now, we wanted to explore how a certain scent or a certain taste can transport us to a different place or time and evoke a really strong memory. This can be a very powerful tool as well. Maybe as I mention it to you now, you're already thinking of a particular favourite scent of your own, or one that you particularly despise. So with that in mind, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. Each episode features a discussion of current topics, from the latest consumer trends and new products, to shifts in markets and lifestyles. I'm Andrew McDougall, Associate Director of Beauty and Personal Care at Mintel, and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Aisha Kienaken from our food and drink side. Welcome, Aisha. Hi. And I'm also delighted to be joined by my colleague in the beauty world, uh, Global Beauty beauty Analyst, Margot Caron. Hello. Hello there. And today we have a special podcast bringing together food and beauty. And I wanted to initially open this up on one of our most powerful senses. It's a sensual talk today, sensorial (laughs) talk. Uh, And I wanted to focus on smell and scent and just how powerful that can be in how we perceive things, kind of emotions that it can evoke in us uh, and sort of the worlds that it can take us to. Because I know that's obviously important in the fragrance world, but also in the food world that can be interesting. And maybe we could link it to taste a bit later as well, if possible. Um, So, yeah, so my first sort of point to open up to discussion then is this idea of just how powerful a sense this is. Um, as scent. I mean, how, how this sort of affects how we perceive certain things. So I think um, scent is very powerful in terms of how it can convey mood and how it can be used to convey your own mood and emotions. Yeah, so um, a lot of uh, consumers we see today, and it's really global, use uh, scents to, for example, convey their emotions. Um, You have aromatherapy that has been used uh, for so long right now to convey things like happiness or calm, for example. This is something that we've seen growing as well in terms of product product launches. Uh, But now, because it's been used so much uh, as well, a lot of... Luxury brands, for example, are trying to uh, push the complexity of these claims a little bit further and they like to uh, convey things like spirituality or or emotions that are a little bit yeah more complex. Like, for example, Goop have this new fragrance and uh, you can it can just boost your creativity or uh, help you 
overcome the trauma of the past. So this is something that becomes more and more complex over uh, over the years. I love this thought of uh, mood and emotion and spirituality. Talking about aromatherapy, we know the health and wellness sector has boomed massively. Um, but yeah, this this thought of mood really impacting the way um, that we perceive things because we do have European data as well on the BPC side mm -hmm. that shows uh, that quite a high majority of European consumers uh, from France, Germany, Italy and Spain uh, all actually say that uh, fragrance really impacts their mood. Mm -hmm. So it's one of these things that, whether it's an actual perfume product, but it could also be the scent of my shower gel or the scent of my skincare product or my hair care product. And I guess that comes through in food as well, this idea that a certain smell can set me off down a certain path. Definitely. Um, and when we talk about food and we talk about aroma, a certain aroma can spark nostalgia and take you back to a different place or a different time. And I definitely think it's something that's quite underexplored in food in terms of layering these aromas and actually calling out that this one could actually make you feel calm or this one could make you feel energized um i think there's a lot more to get after within the food and drink um industry and we can learn a lot from the fragrance industry uh, industry as well and have we seen examples of where scent really has a really powerful um, sort of impact on how we perceive because I know I remember hearing actually from food and drink I remember mm. hearing um, I think it was a drinks maker an alcoholic drinks maker who was saying that they had a gin product and they served it in just a normal glass tumbler yeah. um, and it's kind of that again the perception was that if it's served in a really nice tumbler that will affect the way we perceive that product so that's obviously a sight thing mm -hmm. but actually from a scent point of view this idea that if I have a certain smell for example in restaurants pumping in certain smells yeah. is, it, is, it, is it similar this idea that we can change perception just on the way that something is presented to us definitely so we see a lot of this happening in the restaurant industry where people play with aroma um, so for example a really good example is um, chef Scott Popovich in the US um, did this dinner for bankers who are traditionally seen as being very stressed and very tired and actually one of the things that he did was burn bay leaves um, at the table because that's meant to have like a, a calming effect on, on people so it's just really interesting to see how they're taking ingredients and using them simply just for the aroma as opposed to for the taste and as I say I think there's loads more that can be done in packaged retail food and drink we see it done in spaces like so if you go into a bakery if you go into a, a, a a supermarket for example and you start smelling fresh bread being pumped around if you've ever stood outside like a Cinnabon um, kind of shop and you smell that smell of cinnamon it's kind of getting you prepared for the experience that you're going to you know you're going to eat and there's so much more we could do to get people excited about food before they've even opened the packaging well they always say that actually it's like that classic real estate store isn't it about like when you're trying to sell a house you have like an open house you yeah. should always have like freshly baked cookies or yeah, uh, th those yeah. kind of smells pumping through the house because again yeah. it gives you that really positive vibe when you come in and actually talking about the home then in that regard I actually wanted to ask you a question Margot with regard to scent harmonisation because this can be really important as well like Aisha was talking about earlier about how pumping in certain scents can get us ready for the food but actually mm -hmm. for from a health and wellness point of view, that for the body and for the mind, this idea that we can create this soothing harmony in a home. I don't know if either of you at all have any sort of scent devices in your home that help to soothe and calm. Um, yes. I don't. I'd love to know if you do and if they if they work as well. Um, so it's it's really interesting because um, a lot of it's more younger consumers, and we have data from the US, and we found that um, there is a, a desire to harmonize your body scent to your 
uh, to your home scent. Uh, and this is something that's very interesting when we talk about um, uh, serenity and mood soothing properties of scents. Uh, and because you have these new um, products that arrive on the market where you're supposed to really um, how, how would they say, melting your uh, surroundings in terms of sense, but also it's something that's very serene and anti-stress and it kind of creates um, a new cocoon and we've seen uh, in our trends that actually um, people don't really feel at home anymore uh, and it kind of like helps them also recreate this kind of like harmony of safe space through sense. I like the idea. I like the idea of having a safe space through scent. Mm. Uh, almost to play disruptor though here, is there an example where you could get it really wrong? Like we're talking about it as if just add scent in somewhere and it's going to have a, an immediately positive impact. Mm. But actually it can be off-putting sometimes if, if a scent is too overpowering. For sure. So um, in food and drink packaging, we've seen some quite crude playing around with like scratch and sniff, for example. And... So where you, if you kind of scratch the, the surface of the packaging, then you get the aroma of what's mm. inside. And that can seem to some consumers that you're just playing around a little bit too much and it's a bit fake. Um, other things that we see in food and drink packaging is um, injecting aroma into the headspace of, of, package, of um, the packaging. So if you open coffee, for example, then you get hit with this really strong smell of, of coffee um, that enhances the idea that this product's really fresh. But I think too much of that playing around can make consumers feel like well this product's been altered in some way and it's not mm. it's not natural so yeah we have to be careful also we're talking a lot about scent uh, and this is something i just wanted to bring up just because we live in a very increasingly online world nowadays mm. so when we're talking about scent is one of those things that's very difficult to get across yeah. um, online um, so are there ways that i don't know whether this is through social media but fragrance bands and brands mm. in particular or are there ways that we can get that sensory experience across in the digital world i know that there are obviously devices around but that mm. is very limited to who can actually use these devices and they can be expensive um, but is there a way we can get that across because I remember a famous uh, I think it was a Coca-Cola advert a few years ago where they had um, it was just a billboard picture of someone opening a can of uh, or a bottle and it was opening a bottle of Coke I think it was mm. a, either a bottle or a can and the tagline was just you can hear this and instantly in your head you're thinking you can hear mm. that that sort of mm. like fizz and it's kind of that's really interesting that a billboard can actually get me to have that sensory experience mm. so are there ways ways in social media that we can sort of deal with the senses? Well, one of the things that we talk about a lot in food and drink is the Instagrammability of food. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is where colour and visuals comes into play here because everything now is kind of millennial pink or it's got this uh, a blue colour or whatever it may be just to really appeal visually to the senses and it piques your appetite because if something is brightly coloured and looks visually appealing you automatically think it's going to taste mm -hmm. um, it's going to have a heightened taste delivery as well um, and it's, it's interesting because you can create um, false expectation with these Instagrammable foods if they don't deliver on flavour so yeah I think we're seeing a lot more happening visually on Instagram and other platforms like that to try and tell the consumer this tastes really good. Yeah. yeah. 
I think it's the same um, with perfume. Color is super important, for example, these days, um, because it's all linked to uh, what we call synesthesia, uh, which is the capacity of combining the senses, for example. So uh, some people have uh, the capacity to, uh, for example, hear colors or, or smell colors, for example, and it's the way of combining the two to give a little bit more, um, I would say, well, to be able to describe fragrance a little bit more, to create a kind of um, new vocabulary for mm -hmm. fragrances. Uh, you have a few brands that have explored um, the link between colors and fragrances. So, for example, Diptyque, they released their, um, a lot of their um, iconic scents in uh, colored bottles. It was last summer, I think. Um, and it gives also uh, BAs and uh, fragrance experts um, in stores the capacity to add a new layer of vocabulary and have this new way of talking about perfumes. And there is, um, there has been research on the way colors can also impact the way you perceive uh, smell as mm -hmm. well. Uh, so that's super interesting and I think that's also true in food. Yeah, so there's a really interesting um, study that happened with wine. Mm -hmm. So um, they gave a bunch of wine experts, I think it was um, white wine that had been coloured red, so it had all the, the flavour of, of white wine, but they started describing red wine just because of the colour, so they just started um, assigning taste notes that weren't actually there and it really does show how much, you know, the sight can play with your perception of the mm. taste of something for sure. I remember ketchup had like a weird foray into that years ago now. I might be showing my age here, it might be a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I do remember they launched ketchup, uh, they launched green ketchup and I think purple right. ketchup as well. Right. And it, it just went so badly. Well, well, as in people just weren't sure how to take it because it was a case of I'm used to my ketchup being red. So mm -hmm. even though yeah. the taste is still the same, it's the actual trigger that has the problem with me. Like I was saying earlier about the drinks example, mm. um, again, it's just this idea that if you serve me something in just a plain glass, I just don't feel luxury. Whereas you serve me in a cristal glass, it's kind of yeah. oh this is this is a luxury drink yeah. so I don't know I find that sort of that view of like triggers really interesting I remember I was at a British Society of Perfumery event uh, just a couple of months ago and there was a lady there a fascinating lady who was talking all about how what you tell someone a smell is actually impacts how they smell it so she was saying they had they had isolated fragrance notes um, and they gave uh, they split the room and they gave half the room the fragrance note um, sort of blind from the other room mm -hmm. other side of the room and mm -hmm. said this is a cheese and people had a very uh, positive uh, sort of reaction to it, it was just like, oh yeah that is a cheese that's a nice cheese I think I'd like to taste that cheese kind of thing and then the exact same scent the exact same perfume notes everything exactly the same mm. given to the other side of the room and they were told this is vomit <laughs> and then again it's just that idea that oh that's disgusting immediately yeah. like repulsed by yeah. the smell because it's a case of okay I can literally from what I'm told my brain is now linking this to a preconceived mm. perception of what mm. this is and I think it just shows just how powerful I mean you're talking about triggers as well mm. of, of scent but it really is important but those negative triggers are just as important actually as the positive ones so we see a lot of jeopardy what I call jeopardy innovation coming out in food and drink so a great example would be um, Doritos roulettes where you know that sort of every fifth crisp or whatever is going to be super hot and it's mm, almost that yeah. anticipation of I'm going to something's about to happen that that response whether it's positive or negative it's it's 
going above and beyond the normal product delivery and it creates kind of an emotional attachment to that product we see it with jelly beans as well so jelly beans where you might have some that are a really pleasant flavor and one will be an earwax flavor mm. and we're seeing a load of playful <laughs> innovation in that because whether it's positive or negative it's eliciting a strong response in in the consumer I feel positively and negatively about both of those examples. In the sense that the, no, the Doritos example is like, oh yeah, I really want that hot one. And yeah. then when you have it, it's like, oh, I'm just going to eat more crisps now because it was too hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the jelly bean one, I hate that. I hate, I hate, I just want to get into jelly beans and just enjoy them. I don't want to have like a really, really the risk. Random, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want that risk. I don't, I don't want to run that risk. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I think it's. I think we're seeing a lot more playful innovation, playing with all the senses. Mm. So, be it visual, be it smell, um, and I would love to see it going even further. Because this, when we we started talking about this topic, I started thinking, well, food manufacturers have the ability to play with aroma to kind of take you to a different place. The way we see happening in the restaurant. So, for example, around Wimbledon, why not when mm-hmm. you open a pack of fresh strawberries, have that smell of fresh cut grass to kind of take you to a different place? Yeah. Or you know, there's so much you can do in terms of playfulness and be overt about it tell consumers you know we're playing with you a little bit here and you know go with us and and play because consumers are much more willing now to to immerse themselves in different sensory experiences I love this thought of uh, you mentioned there about taking you to a different place. I love mm. that idea. And I've definitely sat in restaurants before or sometimes when you're eating certain foods and it will just remind you of when you're on holiday in Italy or in Greece or wherever. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it, it just takes you somewhere a little bit different. Um, how do, how can beauty play in that space? I mean, obviously perfume is, is obviously yeah. its, its own category on its own, but how can beauty use scent, scent in that way to actually take people to another place? How important is that from a beauty brand point of view? Uh, this is interesting because you have kind of two ways to play on it. Uh, a lot of it is actually all about gourmand scents. Mm-hmm. So all the um, all the scents that have uh, edible notes, for example, uh, it can be in uh, in a body care product, for example. It can be uh, in a fragrance. It can be all categories. So you have, for example, a lot of um, body care products uh, that are scented like birthday cake for example Mm. so you have this kind of nostalgia um, kind of trigger once again with um, with the smell but also in uh, in Asia you have uh, things like uh, chai for example the notes of chai Uh, you even have a fragrance uh, that uses um, notes that recall the tom yum soup scent so you have things uh, like that emerging about gourmet scents and that are not only the uh, sweet ones but also savory ones Uh, so for example Hermes they um, released a scent around black lemon and it's um, Middle Eastern uh, ingredient, but it's mm-hmm. savory. Mm-hmm. So you have this uh, this type of nostalgia, and then you have just uh, again um, just the storytelling of nostalgia. So you have very retro notes as well that you can use, and that just recall um, uh, fragrances that were used in the past, and that mm-hmm. are not like notes that are not very used today, but that could just link link it to I don't know. Uh, the how your grandma or how your mom was uh, smelling when you were young, for mm. example. 
How yeah. important could nostalgia be? You mentioned that, but how important could that be in making that personal connection with people? Because I remember seeing uh, there was uh, an Italian fragrance advert on the television. I think it was Idea Bellissimo or something like that. And they basically their advert was around the Christmas time. Um, I think it was a year ago now. But it was basically a man and a woman who, uh, for all intents and purposes, were in a relationship, but they were separated geographically. But she sent him a jumper for mm. Christmas uh, and she put her fragrance on the jumper um, because it was this idea that when he opened the package he picked the jumper out of the box and he, he was just it was a nice jumper mm-hmm. um, but he put it he put it and he could smell her on the jumper yeah, yeah. and it was this idea that you can make that connection even though geographically so separate and so apart but you can make that connection so that personal connection nostalgia really seems to feed into that this idea that oh that reminds me of just such a positive memory for me so we we certainly see food and drink companies playing with nostalgia a lot in terms of product innovation um so lays over in the united states they did a grilled cheese and tomato soup flavored crisp as a limited edition so taking you back to that time when maybe as a child you felt really comfortable you felt really safe we're seeing flavors like sticky toffee pudding and rhubarb and custard um in confectionery and in, in chocolate and so on coming to the fore so food companies are definitely trying to recapture or capture that that nostalgia for people mm. and we're seeing a lot of that come through and i think i think candies are quite uh, linked to uh, nostalgia in people they're using fragrances as well uh, you have uh, for example uh, frederic mal they released a uh, perfume called salgos and it's actually uh, one of the notes is a malabar note and malabar was actually a very famous um, candy or chewing gum bubble gum for uh, kids in the 90s in France and recently you have a scent library in China they also released uh, white rabbit collection and white rabbit in the, is this kind of milky candies mm. and I'm sure uh, there are a lot of things going on as well in food around candies and biscuits and things yeah, like that sweet sweet shop flavors mm. pudding flavors we're seeing a lot of being taken from one category and put into another yeah. category so for sure is that potentially showing that um we're we're hindered in going forward like the fact that we're harking back to the past so much or that we want to hark back to the past so much or is it just more a sign that actually it is much more about comfort and emotional and actually connecting with people it's not about saying there aren't these new things we can look at because Mm -hmm. you know ultimately we're going to live these things anyway Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just about actually saying this is this is where I feel comfortable is that is that important in selling food and selling beauty products as well for me it's important I I don't think it's happening in isolation of new things happening so we seen loads of new wacky weird flavor combinations happening at the same time but i think it's just that safe space it's kind of nostalgia gives you that that safety net. yeah i know what to expect from this flavor and what we are seeing is that those old flavors are being kind of upgraded so that maybe be made more premium or um more healthy for example putting a, a healthy twist on an old favorite but they do keep coming back and coming back and there's nothing new under the sun um i think for consumers it's just giving them something that they can relate to Mm. talking about flavor is really interesting actually when you talk about that safety net because in oral care we've seen this with uh, toothpaste flavors particularly uh, in western markets Mm -hmm. Um, it's very much one of these things where you have all these fruit flavors strawberry lemon all these different flavors and it was always a case of oh this is a great way and this is a great innovative approach to have to 
present new flavors to mm -hmm. consumers. But what we found is it's so different from the mint flavor that Western markets have been used to for so long that actually it was too much of a shock. Yeah. And so now the most successful brand, there's a brand called Marvis, who have a great range of products now, which is like ginger and mint, licorice and yeah. mint, uh, orange and mint. So it's, it's always it's sort of saying, there is a new flavor here, but here's your safety Here's net. the recognizable yeah. hook that, that you're, you're comfortable with, and we'll just stretch you a little bit with the lemon, with the ginger, for sure. Would you try uh, any any of these with flavors? Is there anything you have tried recently that you just thought, oh, I do need my safety net? Or is there anything that you've tried that you've just thought, oh, that is my safety net? So I'm quite, I'm quite wacky with my food choices anyway. I like to try weird things. But the toothpaste one, I tried a lemon a toothpaste abroad and... I was not amused. No, no. <laughs> it just felt so. It was just such a strange feeling in my mouth. I was I was too far out of my comfort zone with that for sure. And is that something then you think that in certain categories we need that familiarity, and in certain other categories we can stretch the boundaries a little bit more with sort of the scents, and we can have different smelling products or different tasting products uh, for certain categories. But there are some categories you don't mess with. No, I think uh, you always need to have a safety net at some point, except if you're a very niche uh, fragrance brand or beauty brand, and then uh, you can really uh, experiment and people are going to your brand to have this kind of like experimentation mm -hmm. uh, side of it. Um, but I think um, safety net is true also in beauty brands. And even if we have figures, uh, for example, in Europe where people really want to wear unique notes or they want to wear um, uh, they want to wear something unique in terms mm -hmm. of scent, for example, uh, what they consider unique is actually or what they consider unusual as well. We have. Uh, uh, figures about unusual scents and how people are actually interested in them. Uh, it needs to remain approachable and it needs to remain um, something that has, as you say, a safety net. Uh, a brand that is doing it really well is uh, Paco Rabanne. Mm -hmm. They launched something called uh, Paco Collection. So it's a collection of uh, fragrances and they have these very interesting, very unique notes, for example, Wasabi. Uh, they also uh, have a note called crystal fees for example but um, in a way these scents are still very uh, approachable mm. they're, they're kind of unique they're very different but it's not a big shock I yeah. would say yeah it's interesting as well you say about that because customization is probably a, a, to a different topic we could discuss mm. another day because mm -hmm. it's such a big topic but it's interesting you say about how people want that unique uh, scent but then actually when you come down to it as you say there is that safety net and that's something that brings everyone together because there's the example Scentbird for example mm -hmm. with their and um, they actually used a lot of their sales data to realize that um, there were basically four common scent notes that were selling well to men and women and so then they streamlined their range down to just be these four mm. notes mm. and so it's almost like yes customization is a good thing but it's also a case of actually we can streamline our process have less waste mm -hmm. reduce cost as well which is a good thing yeah. but actually just realize that actually this is what people want this is the scent people want and those common sense as you say can be that safety net for a lot of people yes you have um, you you have this but also it, it it's, it's very true, but because fragrance is also very intimate in a way, you kind of want to blend in as well mm -hmm. a little bit. You don't want to have this kind of like radical uh, smell. Um, and this is something um, that uh, is quite cultural because you have different regions in the world where different scents are actually either, um, I don't know, subversive, whereas in another country it wouldn't be, or mm. that it wouldn't be like, 
it it would be pleasant in uh, a region but unpleasant in another one um so that's a great point actually how cultural culturally mm -hmm. things change so what we perceive mm -hmm. to be nice and what we perceive to be horrible actually yes. changes from mm -hmm. a, a scent and a taste point of view sorry to but no, no, no. i just thought that's yeah that's such a good point that yeah yeah what we're so what we're talking about now if we were uh in in sort of southeast asia if we're in the middle east or in africa exactly. or, or even if we're in the states it would be yeah, yeah it's yeah, a case yeah, of yeah it's very sure. different for sure and I think we're with innovation in food we're seeing a lot of borrowing from other regions so for example we're sat here in Europe at the moment so borrowing flavour or fragrance notes from other cultures we're seeing a lot of that coming into into food and food mm -hmm. product development so um, what might be quite normal in another market so borrowing the taste of rose for example yeah. or orange blossom we're seeing mm -hmm. a load of um, botanical flavours coming into bakery mm -hmm. as an example because I, I look after biscuits one of the things I do that's quite normal in other markets maybe Middle Eastern markets but over here that's quite novel and quite new yeah. um, so we, we're seeing a lot of that happening as well well, just as a final point then, um, just on that, um, we've talked a lot about radical sense and things like that. I did send you some homework before we turned <laughs> yes. up today, and we did promise each other we wouldn't talk about this before so that we'd shock all of us. Uh, but I did want you to come up with a scent or a taste, a sensorial experience, basically, um, that was positive for you and maybe has a nostalgic feeling mm -hmm. uh, and may potentially a negative one for you. Uh, and it can be, this is completely your own opinion, no one's judging mm -hmm. uh, based on anything. I do remember once, actually, about a year and a half ago, I sat down with you Aisha and another colleague and we did a taste thing from different products around the world just harking back and that was really interesting because again it was that perception of oh I wouldn't put those flavours together yeah. um, and then we were sort of trying all these weird and wonderful yoghurts and, and crisps mm -hmm. and things like that uh, like the fi I remember the fish crisps they were, they were that was particularly they interesting were yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not saying that was my negative um, but okay. I'm just saying it's just very interesting to sort of mm. see her and yeah. so there's no judgement here would anyone like to kick us off with a good scent or taste or a bad one so mine <laughs> takes me right back to childhood so a positive one for me is the smell and this is going to sound weird but is the smell of kidney beans being cooked oh, yeah. mm. so I'm from a Caribbean background and every Sunday without fail my mum would put on a pot of kidney beans for rice and peas and it would have like thyme and pimento berries and coconut milk and that smell just takes me back every time I smell it to Sundays at home and family dinner and uh, like I really love that because it just transport it tr transports me somewhere different. Do you so cook them now for your kids? I try to. I've recreated the maybe not every Sunday but but, but some Sundays yeah. Okay, I'm going to balance it with a bad one for okay, me, but okay. it's the same because actually it's, it was bad when I tasted it, but it brings some memories and some nostalgia. So my grandparents had this amazing cherry tree. And when you're a kid, when I was a kid, I loved cherries, but it was actually sour cherries. So they were just mm. super acidic. Mm -hmm. And my grandma used to make cakes with these cherries. <laughs> and because when you're a kid, you're so excited by cake all the time. And I wanted so much to like that cake but the <laughs> sourness of the cherries were killing it all the time <laughs> I love that this is a negative thing but it's still a, po like it's yeah. a positive yeah. memory so yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah so it's yeah. not always about just having the most positive yes. experience the whole time <laughs> my negative one to bring that round is I don't know if you've ever had this I don't know if, if this was a UK thing or not or a US thing uh, but TCP the antiseptic yeah. anyone remember that smell yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, was a, it was always a really strong smell that A, you were mm-hmm. ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was horrible as well. It was almost to the point where my mum would be like, oh, we'll get the TCP. And I'd be like, oh, no, I'm not that ill. <laughs> uh, so it's making you not feel that ill. But I always remember that being quite a, a strong smell. Yeah. Um, and I can smell it now as I'm talking about it. And it takes uh, you back to being ill as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. different, yeah. Yeah. What about your negative? My is very similar, actually. So my negative, even though it's negative, it's positive because it reminds me of my grandma. So whenever I would have any sort of belly ache or headache or finger ache or whatever, my nan would make Cersei tea, which is like this really bitter leaf. In the Caribbean, people drink it for every single ailment. The smell of it makes me want to heave now but it does remind me of my grandma and her love and care um so it's negative but it's also kind of positive so yeah i think it's because we're having the memories from it and those yeah. memories ultimately mm. whether good or bad it's kind of this is nice to have memories i guess it's yeah showing the power of it yeah. Marga, do you have a good one to yes it's us? the taste of melon Oh, because okay. it brings ah. me back to uh, summer in Burgundy, and my uh, uh, my f- uh, part of my family uh, is from Burgundy in mm-hmm. France, and um, it was my great grandparents. They had like this field, and they were growing their own vegetables and fruits, and they had so many melons in summer that you had them for like breakfast, lunch, mm. and dinner. And to me, it's just like it tastes like summer. Mm, I actually want some melon now. (laughs) Well, my positive one to end on uh, is actually, I went for a controversial one. I I wanted to have a quick shout out to Old Spice, only because that that smell just reminds me of my granddad. And I love the fact that Old Spice has now sort of rejuvenated the brand in a completely Mm -hmm. different way nowadays. Um, But my good, so that was one of my positive smells that I had coming in. But the one that I wanted to go with is a controversial one because it may split opinion. Um, I love the smell of petrol. Ah. To the point where when you're at a petrol station, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's quite nice. That's quite a problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't just hang around <laughs> petrol stations or gas stations. Just sniffing uh, but yeah, just yeah, getting off my head on it. Um, but no, but it's just that kind of. I know that it's a smell that really divides people's yeah. opinion. But I actually quite like the smell of petrol. Like you know, when when you stop and you're filling up the car, mm-hmm. it's that I quite like that. I've heard that when you like the smell of uh, solvent, like markers and things like that, it's because you have a little bit of anemia or like a lack of certain nutrients. There you go. Are you telling me I need to, I need to have a health check out now? Vitamins. Brilliant. The power of the, the power of the senses. Basically, well, that unfortunately is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much. I think we've already discussed a lot about the power of the senses, mainly focused on scent, uh, but great that we could have taste uh, involved in that as well. And we discussed well everything from emotion to mood mm-hmm. to nostalgia to taking to another place uh, so thank you so much uh, for joining us today thank you very much Aisha uh, thank, you. thank you very much Margot thank uh, you so that does it for today to learn more about Mintel uh, or any of the topics we've discussed today then please head over to Mintel.com uh, check out all your BPC subscriptions if you have them uh, you can find out loads of different content on the site for that uh, also thank you very much for listening to this podcast uh, and if you want to subscribe to the Little Conversation podcast you can do wherever you get your podcast from uh, but all that's left for me to say is thank you one, once again to my lovely guests uh, but thank you mostly to, to you guys for listening as well have a great day Thank you.